0: Welcome to Leadership 2020. I'm Claire Carpenter. So I'm joined today by Aidan Kramer. Aidan is the Chief Executive and Co-Founder of JobLab. Um, JobLab is a talent marketplace connecting graduates with jobs in startups. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you me. for having me. Lovely to see you. So, Aidan, before we um, tackle the subject of the workforce of the future, just bring to life a little bit for me um, what Job Lab is and yeah. how you came to found it.
1: So, Job Lab is, as you've said, it's a talent marketplace, and we're aiming to disrupt recruitment by directly connecting candidates with employers. And we see ourselves as kind of the opposite of a job board. So job board, you post a job, you wait for applicants to apply to the job. Whereas on JobLab, candidates create a digital profile, upload a video and can pitch themselves. And then we give employers the tools to search for and find candidates as if they're kind of buying something else online.
0: Wow, okay. And so where did that idea come from? How did that birth itself? So it kind
1: of stemmed from a personal pain point. Uh, I graduated, left university and like many people didn't really know what i wanted to do Uh, so i found myself on the graduate job boards uh, which are kind of described as these cv black holes candidates search through jobs they send out a few initial applications often don't hear anything back then cast their net wider and wider and often end up in a career that they don't really want i didn't understand why there wasn't kind of a marketplace that put candidates first and gave candidates the ability to present themselves and gave employers the ability to find them because that seemed like a much more efficient approach to the matching of candidate to job rather than the other way around.
0: So in effect there is the candidate matching themselves to the job, is that what's happening there?
1: Yeah, so so the matching is done via some technology initially and also some human screening. So it's about, you know, putting the candidates first and then giving the employers the tools and the insight to find the right candidates. So candidates aren't applying to jobs that are unsuitable for them, and employers aren't having to sift through candidates that are unsuitable for the job.
0: So how is that different to a model of a more traditional recruitment um, agency, for example?
1: So it's, it's modelled on the traditional recruitment agency, whereas you know employers kind of will use an agent to do the sourcing and the screening and the sifting for them, whereas we're replacing a lot of that sourcing, sifting and screening with technology. Okay. Um, so, we have kind of a search algorithm that ranks candidates to jobs mm. uh, and we also have kind of a team that will do an initial level of screening that can make sure employers are seeing the best matching candidates to their job.
0: Okay. So, I'm thinking about how you then take that to market. So, who, are your, who is your potential market?
1: So, on the employer side, we're kind of champions for startups. Mm. So, small kind of growing companies, specifically in the tech sector. Um, around 11 to 50 employees and yeah they have a need a desire to hire kind of passionate entry level talent um, and they're open to new technology and using tools like ours Uh, they also have or they come into the market with preconceptions about the recruitment industry Mm -hmm. and um, and kind of a want to take ownership of that process and have access to the pool of talent themselves uh, rather than rely on someone to bring in the candidates for them
0: So thinking about the workforce of the future then and a change in the way that people both look for work from a graduate point of view, but also um, a change in the way that some of the startups are going out and looking for talent. Thinking about the role of the manager in this situation, what's changing for them, do you think, in terms of how they approach recruitment? So we're seeing, especially on
1: the kind of the smaller company side, that Managers for individual departments and sectors are taking complete ownership of the recruitment process. So these people are typically time poor, but they understand the importance of finding the right people for their own teams and they're not relying on internal HR teams to do the hiring for the departments, they're not relying on recruiters to do the hiring, Uh, they're given objectives and uh, key results to build their own teams, which is why it's particularly important to make sure that they have kind of an efficient and streamlined process
0: to do so. I'm, I'm thinking about how the importance of culture, especially in some of those smaller startups, they're quite unique, aren't they? So how does the hiring manager then who has more autonomy in the process, how do they really seek out candidates with the right culture fit?
1: Yeah, culture is crucial, especially for the smaller companies where you know, the wrong fit can be disastrous. Yeah. When um, you're thinking you know, you've got 11 people, that's 10% of the company, that's yeah. potentially toxic. Um, which is why they're relying heavily on things like videos, things like social proof. We found, for example, when we integrated uh, social media profiles on candidate applications, employers got a better sense of who that person was, it wasn't just kind of a you know piece of paper and a CV with their experience, it was you know a person that they could understand. and. Some companies want someone who's going to be fun, outgoing, and showing pictures of them going for a few drinks, which is a slight change to the perception of recruitment um, into larger companies. Mm. Uh, and some people don't want that, so mm. it it gives an additional level of insight that was previously not really possible.
0: Yeah, and is that does that go in both directions? Do you think it
1: absolutely does? Yeah, um, it's it's surprising, kind of the the type of profile or the type of social media accounts that we see candidates connect to their profiles. Yeah. But yeah, it, it depends, you know, because it, it really is giving a true insight of that candidate. And the candidate wants to find a company that respects who they are as well. Yeah. And if they want to show pictures of them having fun, um, then they probably want to find a company that respects that because they'll enjoy their time there and they enjoy their time there. It's half of the battle. Yeah. Uh, whereas someone who's more reserved um, might
0: fit better in a different company. So, I'm wondering about whether or not that goes both ways then do the ca- are the candidates also looking at the social media profiles of the organizations that they're connecting with?
1: yeah, absolutely, uh, and it's it's a great question. It's a request we get a lot. Candidates are caring a lot more about the culture of the companies they're applying to, especially kind of millennials, especially entering the world of work for the first time. Uh, they want to know that there's a work life balance. they want to know that it's uh, filled with other people like them because feel perhaps somewhat too much so entitled to you know, the type of roles that are going to be a
0: good fit for them. So that's interesting. So lots of organizations have um, more corporate websites don't they and, and um, their online profile isn't necessarily a social media profile. Are you seeing that change? Yes, and it's something that we suggest and recommend to
1: employers. You know, one of the first places candidates look is on a company's Instagram account, for example, because mm-hmm. uh, that gives a relatively true representation of the culture within that organisation. Uh, it's important for companies to start thinking about the talent brand they're building um, from the base level and, and what kind of candidates they want to start attracting.
0: So would it be a smart thing for companies to get their their employees to build their talent brand for them? In theory, yes, it would. But ultimately, it needs
1: to be treated like a professional marketing activity. If these companies want to take hiring seriously, uh, they need to start thinking about the candidate journey right from the awareness phase, just as they think about their client journey uh, when they're building their their sales pipeline, for example.
0: So thinking about um, platforms like Glassdoor, do you see that having
1: an influence? I mean, it's not something that actually comes up that often for us. Um, you know, review websites have an issue with trust in general. People are very skeptical as to what's on them. Unless a company has a lot of very bad reviews, uh, it's very hard to get kind of a fair representation. So although, you know, companies do focus heavily on building their Glassdoor profiles, uh, it's not something that we're seeing from the candidate end. is something that's really influencing decisions.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? That it's a sort of corporate focus rather than actually providing anything for the candidate.
1: Exactly. And, you know, a candidate's often going to be very disgruntled when they leave the company. <laughs> so you get these very binary reviews on sites like Glassdoor. And the good companies have often, well, you'll find that they have kind of uh, schemes or processes to make sure they get good reviews from new candidates and um, to almost cover up the bad reviews. So a lot of scepticism around uh, what they're seeing on sites like last year.
0: So I'm really interested in your opinion on the whole um, millennials conversation. It's a big generalisation, isn't it, of a group of individuals. What do you think about that? It is,
1: and it's a... A generalization based on kind of attitudes to work in general and this level of perceived entitlement this uh, group of or this workforce entering the market are looking for but when you actually break it down they're looking for you know things like work-life balance they're looking for uh, flexible working and they're looking for kind of this mutual respect between employer and candidate that wasn't really demanded from previous generations where work was seen as very separate to out of work Mm. Uh, so we think you know things are moving in a positive direction um we think that this millennial generation are bringing a lot of value to these companies uh, in terms of technical skills in terms of you know awareness of social media and digital channels so the level of entitlement in their quotes is is almost justified in some levels
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking that, you know, those things all sound pretty good to me and you couldn't describe me as millennial. So perhaps there's something here about there's just a generation that's prepared to ask for what it wants.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And they're seeing workers uh, very differently. Mm. Um, So, you know, they're not going into a career for the next 30 years. Um, They're looking for you know, 12 to 18 months, uh, potentially at a company before looking elsewhere. Mm. So employers need to be able to incentivize these people to, or these candidates to stay the duration. Yeah. Uh, and they need to start thinking about what they can offer to add that value to their workforce.
0: So where do you see this being done really well?
1: Yeah, it's being done very, really well by the, you know, the growing tech companies and the startups. um, London is one of the best places in Europe to start a tech company and a startup. Mm. Um, The number of tech companies has increased twofold over the last couple of years. And these companies aren't cash poor. They've received investment from big funds and they understand the importance of building their talent brands Mm. and building their talent pipelines and retaining top talent. So they're thinking a lot more about the journey from when someone starts to how their first month goes to how their first year goes. And becoming incredibly good at offering the right incentive structures and mixes to make sure candidates stay motivated throughout that journey.
0: And are you seeing this um, predominantly in the graduate market or um, are you seeing it outside of that? So we
1: we specialise in the graduate market so it's what we're seeing. I couldn't really comment too much about wider than that but we assume it's being you know thought about throughout the company. But um, for you know, there are differences for the graduate market, having kind of community and culture is probably um, top of the list, but for kind of the older generation, the senior developers or marketers, perhaps more flexibility in terms of working hours, in terms of remote work, um, become a higher priority.
0: Yeah. And so thinking about what advice you might give a manager who perhaps is used to a more traditional workplace, thinking about their plan to attract and retain talent with different expectations. What might you say to them? Um,
1: just having a general awareness as to what other companies are offering and being aware that you know candidates aren't just weighing up compensation plans anymore. They're looking at the culture within the company, they're looking at um, you know ability to work from home, they're looking at uh, the working hours, they're looking at remote work, And all of these things feed into whether you're attracting the best talent and paying a bit more, paying over the odds is no longer enough to get the best people into your organisation.
0: And is there um, also some regard for the way that the company works environmentally? You think Are you seeing different issues around sort of green issues, that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the companies that come on that we're seeing who have, you know, are really mission driven and are... Uh, trying to change and influence uh, a meaningful cause, whether it be sustainability, whether it be you know environmental issues, uh, they're also attracting better talent uh, because candidates, you know companies need to think about how is how are their employees going to be able to tell their friends where they work. Uh, and that's incredibly important, especially for this generation. So companies that do have a beneficial agenda, um, are able to attract the best talent. Um, and we're actually seeing that in a number of application rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not about salary. It's about you know, what does this company care about? What are they trying to achieve?
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking that diversity must come into that as well.
1: Diversity comes into it in that companies need to think about diversity from when they're building their pipeline. The more they can offer candidates, the more desirable uh, the company is to work, the more diverse their pipeline will be, and ultimately the more diverse their workforce will be.
0: Yeah. So, in the workplace of the future, then, where where is this going? What do you predict um, in terms of changes coming up in the next, I don't know, ten years?
1: So, in the future, we see the trend progressing towards um, a lot more flexibility in general, in terms of the location where you are working. You know, as technology improves and remote working becomes a lot more viable for a lot of companies with better video conferencing, with better collaboration tools. Um, we definitely see that progressing, advancing, as well as kind of how work is structured. Um, we're going to see a lot more freelancing, contracting, uh, people that, you know, become professionals in what they do uh, and seeing, you know, sh- working short stints at different companies as a desirable um, career path. Uh, and that's a trend that we're, we're seeing progress rapidly even at the moment.
0: Mm. I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it, because the long-term repercussions of that or the, or the wider repercussions of that in terms of how people finance, where they live, all of those things are going to change, aren't they? If I have lots of short-term jobs or I'm freelance, mm-hmm. it's much harder for me to get a more traditional mortgage, isn't it, and yeah. buy a property? Uh, absolutely.
1: But then, you know, these people perhaps don't want to buy a property. Um, we're seeing that trend kind of uh, spread into different areas of the economy. Uh, people want to be traveling a lot more. They can live in different areas, different locations and countries and perform the same level of work. Um, so we're actually seeing this whole kind of lifestyle shift that we haven't seen traditionally.
0: So do you think that that will filter into the bigger, more corporate organizations as well as the startups that you're working with now? Uh,
1: We think it will have to um, because ultimately there is a war for the best talent. These companies are built on talent. Uh, So the corporates are going to have to start competing for that talent with the things that the candidates are looking for. So we ultimately will see these companies eventually have to react to what the market's saying Mm. and start offering these different types of working structures.
0: I wonder what the manager of the future um, might look like and how they might behave, thinking about the workforce that they have in the working conditions that you've just described. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a whole new set of challenges and companies, for example, with remote workers need to adapt um, the traditional ways of managing a team and managing a company no longer apply when you have workers that are not in the same room.
0: So the remote working um, change is about trust, isn't it? There's something in there that's really important about trusting your workforce. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's also about understanding the the difficulties associated with having that remote workforce. And there was an article out recently about if you have if you're trying to build a remote team and you have one person that's remote, then everyone on the team should have kind of dial into meetings. You shouldn't have part of the team going to a conference room and the one person dialing in remote yeah. uh, because then that has kind of singles out the person that's not there yeah. and it builds the bad habits. But these are, you know, I think companies are still trying to work out what is the best way to to manage these teams. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, it's a challenge. And for smaller more flexible organizations uh, sometimes it's a bigger challenge sometimes it's a smaller challenge but it's just one that needs to be overcome
0: yeah and the tech exists to make it happen doesn't it
1: yes uh the tech's getting a lot better i mean it wasn't too long ago you start a skype call in the first 10 minutes you're asking if anyone can hear you <laughs> um, but uh, yeah the tech's getting a lot better the collaboration tools are getting much better and they're kind of being built for this type of work for professions like software development um, all of a sudden companies can hire some of the best developers in the world, but they don't need to be uh, in the same country. So they can be paying different salary rates and, and hire better people. Yeah. But things like managerial positions or sales and business development, there still is really a need for that person to be in the office and it becomes a lot harder to, to manage directly remote. So there's still a balance and still a shift going on. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's going to be... In the immediate future, when we see companies shifting to a preferred fully remote setup,
0: yeah, I think there's something to learn from some of the countries that have more remote workforce already. So I'm thinking about my own experience in Australia, where you know I'd regularly have video conferences with people in different cities, and it felt like they were in the same room as me.
1: Exactly, and. Um, You know, the next iteration, you've seen kind of holograms in boardrooms, Um, but it's whether kind of the technology goes down that route to try and replicate the in-person experience or whether we as companies uh, go down the other route, which is just getting better
0: at uh, managing and
1: building companies that have remote workers.
0: So just thinking in summary, then maybe about your top tips for organisations who are recruiting in the workforce that, that we're discussing today. What sort of things should they be really mindful of? So mindful kind of at the
1: top of building that employer brand, mindful that you know, potential candidates are the most important thing that they can be bringing on. You know, it's the lifeblood of the organization. So making sure that they have some marketing function tailored to attracting that type of client, uh, but then also thinking about the additional benefits they can offer uh, and the flexibility and trust that they can offer to this younger workforce that's entering the world of work.
0: Okay, I think there's a those are great wise words to finish on. So thank you so much for your no time today. At all. Thank Thanks you thank you for very joining much. me. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a rating and review to help others find out about the show. This is a Poddo podcast produced by Nick Hilton in association with Cornell.